0: Welcome to the Get Healthier podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rat and Talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Live Longer Podcast. This is Rena, and we have today Dr. Daniel Pompa, a global leader in the health and wellness industry who's been traveling across the country, educating both practitioners and us patients on the root cause of inflammation-driven diseases, such as weight loss resistance, hypothyroid, diabetes, chronic fatigue, and, of course, those millions of autoimmune disorders. Order sufferers. Um, I was one of those and Mm -hmm. other chronic conditions. Um, he has an amazing educational background, but his authority today comes from his own personal battle. So he had a serious neurotoxic illness, heavy metal poisoning, which then he was able to heal from. And I think that's really been the formation of his journey back to health and journey to teaching all of us how to heal ourselves. He's a great relentless self-experimenter. Dr. Pompe has been studying, practicing, and teaching true cellular detox for two decades. We're going to ask him all about that today. His methodology runs counter to mainstream tactics, which is what I like. He focuses not on suppressing symptoms, but really figuring out the root cause of illness and then getting rid of that root cause so the body can heal and get back to where it wants to be, which is joyful and healthy. Dr. Pompa, we are so excited to have you here today.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So it's important topics today. People are going to want to hear for sure.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let's start with your journey first, because I'm always fascinated to hear how you got to where you are today. So tell us a little bit about your toxicity issues and uh, very briefly how you heal them, and then we'll dive right into the cellular detox.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you, it was from pain to purpose. I, I didn't choose it. It chose me. So I was, um, you yeah, know, I was functioning along uh, what I thought was normal health. I guess like most people, right? Mm-hmm. You have these little things that happen, but you kind of just think they're normal and you push on in life. I had a very thriving practice at the time and everything was great. Two young babies uh, thought everything was great. I was actually, I would have to say in the best physical shape of my life. You know, I was racing a bike at the time. So. Um, training very hard, and then fatigue hit, uh, you know, just like so many people listening, right? It's, you know, fatigue, and then it went from fatigue to some anxiety, then it went to more anxiety, then it went to insomnia, then it went to hormone dysregulation, my thyroid, my adrenals, I mean, it, you can see the spiral down to, then it got even more bizarre, right, where I was allergic to every food, every chemical, mm. so life did come to a screeching halt. You know, I was, um, I, I became someone I didn't know, frankly. I, you know, I, my wife had to take the kids out of the house at times because I was, uh, just, I was so irritable. I was so angry for, and I became again, someone I didn't know. I, I just didn't know why, uh, you know, it was a journey. It took me some years even to figure it out. And then once I figured it out, it took me years to fix it. But I can say now at 52, I'm healthier today than even before I got sick. I mean, honestly, um, you know, I got sick probably in my uh, early 30s, right around there. But, you know, healthier today than when I was in my 20s, no doubt. So that's my journey. I mean, through it, I found out what was wrong with me. And through it, I found out answers now that I teach to doctors around the country. And, you know, so I'm known for my cellular healing and true cellular detox work. um, And I'm blessed to be able to teach hundreds of doctors uh, those processes and protocols.
1: What a great mission. I'm on your site. You share your mission is to see lives restored by helping our patients and others to restore the amazing healing potential with which God created the human body, the body by God. I love that. Thank you on embarking on this, this fabulous mission. Would you say that what you found in the last two decades of teaching and healing and learning that all of these autoimmune chronic illnesses can be reversed?
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, you know, the body knows what to do. You know, it just needs less interference and then the body will heal. And I I think that's one of my criticisms I have with, uh, of course, with the allopathic regular medicine, if you will. You know, they they're chasing symptoms with medications. And, and of course, there's a time and a place right to take away a symptom. And then the other side, the um the functional medicine, the natural uh, alternative side, You know, it it lends its hand to the same thing, just with more, you know, natural alternatives. The key, how I got my life back, how you got your life back is going upstream and figuring out what the actual causes are and removing them. And you know, that's why I'm really passionate about what I teach, because I think it differentiates itself from both sides. You know that you have to remove the interference and then the body will absolutely do the healing.
1: So what's interfering with our bodies? And, and I know we've got to get to the good stuff soon, but I know this question comes up constantly. We had Dr. Zach Bush, and that was one of the top questions everyone kept saying, but what is creating this pain, or what is giving me my autoimmune uh, disorder? Look, what have you found?
0: Yeah, I mean, the body doesn't know the difference of physical, chemical, or emotional stress. It doesn't. You know, Oh, itself, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it has the same physiological reaction. So it's typically we see in people whose life you know, bottoms out is we see a perfect storm of physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. And then when you get a good history, you kind of see, ah, this is what happened. But, you know, the, the really, I think the wild card here is what's happening with the chemical stressors today. Because, like no time ever in the history of man, we've we been exposed to the type of chemicals that disrupt our brains and our nerve systems like we are today. And, you know, in that, then I can point to a few that we know are the nasties. You know, you, you have your heavy metals, which is how I got sick. You know, your mercury, uh, your aluminum, your lead. And you where know, are
1: these things coming from? Sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting you. But yeah, no, no,
0: this is it's worth doing because this is big stuff. So mercury, the number one ex- adult exposure is uh, not environmental sources. It's not fish. It's actually amalgam fillings from the dental work that we had in our mouths and our parents, because it's been shown in study after study that it goes from mom to baby in utero, her mercury load from her fillings. Matter of fact, there's a study called the Gerash study that showed, and this is one of many that showed that ladies, the number of fillings you have in your mouth is proportional to how much mercury we find in the baby's brains on autopsy. And then lead, the number one source of lead is actually mom as well. So you know you can see then of course then we start vaccinating where there now there's you know aluminum levels and still mercury levels and flu shots and you know which is the second uh, adult source you know adult source of mercury so I mean you you see that it's this massive exposure that we get wow. and it starts in utero and then obviously from you know from the womb to the tomb okay so then we have things like mold, you would not believe how many people with unexplainable illnesses, even the inability to lose weight, comes because they have a mold issue um, at their home, school, work, whatever it is, uh, meaning that there was some water damage. It wasn't taken care of properly, and mold built up, and typically you don't see it. Um, Typically, you don't smell it, although I smell a lot of it when I walk into buildings, um, Mm -hmm. and it's very undetectable. So mold, because of the way we're building Modern buildings, uh, buildings, all it takes is some water damage, even some high humidity. And all of a sudden, now you have a mold problem. So it's, a, it's an epidemic within the epidemic of sick people. And then, lastly, I would say a third, if we're breaking this down into threes, um, is hidden infections, whether it's Lyme, root canals, cavitations in your mouth. I mean, these are hidden infections, parasites. You know, I mean, so a lot of these hidden infections, so mold, hidden infections from those things and heavy metals. I would say if I had to pick three, and then I'm, I'm going to have to say this because you mentioned Zach Bush, who's a friend of mine. Uh, glyphosate is a new problem. This is the a chemical that's being sprayed on all of our food supply. It's the active ingredient in Roundup. It's sprayed, you know, on everything that we're eating. We're exposed to it. Even if you're eating, you know, a perfect diet, you're still being exposed to some level. Here's the problem. Glyphosate. In studies, it was a 2012 study by Stephanie Senna She's the senior scientist at MIT. She showed in 2012, all the way back then, that this chemical is allowing these other things that I just mentioned, like heavy metals, to cross deeper into the brain. And it's driving mm-hmm. all types of problems that with many of us are experiencing, this inability to sleep, anxiety, all the hormone problems. So we know that this combination, of this chemical now, it's a new problem that all of our children are being exposed to is creating an epidemic of sorts, whether it's dementia, Alzheimer's, autism, fatigue, all of it. And, it, and by allowing, partly by allowing these metals and other toxins we're already exposed to in utero to cross deeper into our nerve tissue and brains. And, and then it disrupts our microbiome, um, our bacteria, our good bacteria, which affects our brain and our immune system. So you can see... If I just focused on, I, I think I just mentioned four different types of stressors or chemical stressors there you mm-hmm, have, yes. or there's 95% of it right there.
1: Interesting. How do we test for it? Because so my question would be, if I've got some kind of autoimmune, let's say fibromyalgia, and I'm listening to this podcast, I'm going, gee, I wonder if I have one of these four as an as a trigger, is there a test or a series of tests that can be done?
0: Yeah, I mean, look. There are, but it depends on the toxins, right? I mean, for heavy metals, there's no perfect test because we really have to look at what's in the brain. So oftentimes, without, I mean, without biopsy, you really don't know what's in the brain. So that becomes an issue, right? Because you're not going to do a biopsy. But looking at what's in the body is some reflection of what's in the brain, and we do that by a challenge test. But you need a practitioner to help you with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another test called a visual contrast sensitivity test, um, which you can do online for $10. Uh, Mm. If you go to VCS, like V as in Victor, C as in cat, S as in Sam, test.com, then you will give a donation for $10. It's a visual test. We're not looking at uh, the ability to see acuity. Matter of fact, if you wear glasses, wear them. It's looking at contrast ability, which Toxins, neurotoxins, affect the nerves in the brain. The optic nerve is one we can measure. So that's a gauge. See if you pass that test. I'm going to tell you another great one. Simple. If it, you know, if it quacks like a duck, typically it is one. Meaning that <laughs> the years of doing this, we, you know, we can put together certain symptoms, certain signs, and we can say, okay, this is most likely, you know, um, a neurotoxic issue. And, you know what I'll do is I'll give you a, a free access to a um, a toxicity quiz uh, mm. that I we put together, me and myself and my doctors. Um, and some of your people can take that, go take a BCS test. Um, you know, there's at least a starting place. But if you take the, the free quiz, you know, it kind of walks you through um, some of those symptoms. So there you go.
1: That sounds great. You know, you mentioned hidden infections, parasites, I personally had a parasite. I know that's what triggered that was I think the the ultimate stress trigger that that got my body to just finally say I give up, you crazy woman. What what tests do you recommend for parasites cuz boy that's been a tough mm-hmm. one.
0: Yeah, um parasite testing has gotten, you know, better, but even that it's still, you know, it's hard to detect those guys. Uh they get in biofilms, etc. But yeah, I mean Dr.s Data does a good one Genova Labs, Metametrics. I mean, those are some top labs that uh, you'd have to go okay. practitioner to get. Um, there's another test now called Viome, V-I-O-M-E. You mm-hmm. should interview Naveen Jain. Um, mm-hmm. He's a billionaire, brilliant guy who's just at the point in his career just uh, making a difference, and he's hired some of the greatest scientists uh, in the world on the microbiome. And Viome is a $98 test that uh, people can take, and you know we can provide. I, I can remind me and I can give you a link uh that people can even do that test as well but looking at the microbiome that's your good and bad bacteria uh and then the role it plays because pat uh parasites bacteria yeast candida all of those things disrupt the microbiome so they've learned okay, exactly. a lot and there's a test you can t- take yeah
1: Exactly Is there a test for
0: mold? Uh there is uh, you know there's a, that visual contrast test uh, when you oh, Okay get- It'll actually score you for biotoxic illness. There's two rows that signify mold illness um, that, if you do poorly there, can be um, can be a possible mold exposure. Um, also, there's a one called a C4A test. It's a blood test that um, is good for looking at the immune reaction, which is very typical with mold exposure. And then there's a, um, a urine test that's um, a little higher priced uh, that we typically more of a last resort it looks at biotoxins, um, in the urine, but uh, yeah, so there's tests and those are through a practitioner, but some of the other ones that I mentioned, you can just, you know, your people can just, you know, go and get right away.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, I noticed that there's, you offer a comprehensive wellness profile. How useful have you found something like that in just identifying what those triggers might be?
0: Yeah. You know, look, you know, you asked like the triggers as far as the symptoms, the illness, what's the what you
1: triggers uh, for the specific illness, you know, back yeah. to if someone's got an autoimmune and they're just trying to say,
0: yeah, I'm yeah. done
1: with band-aiding. Yeah. I want to find out where I can begin to. Yeah, remove no, that, the
0: triggers. That's a, let's look at most things. I, I, I give an analogy of a three-legged stool. You know, I think we all know the analogy. There's. You know, Mm -hmm. there's three legs. They all have to be there for the stool to stand up. Well, in these three things have to happen for the illness typically to be triggered. So number one, we've learned a lot about genetics. We used to think that if your mom or dad had diabetes, you're going to get it or had cancer.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's an old
0: dog. By the way, many medical doctors still buy into that old philosophy, but it's been disproven to where we know very few diseases are pure genetic. However, most are epigenetic, meaning that certain genes get triggered in what we turned on, meaning that you have a susceptibility, but then we turn that gene on. So we understand now that it's stressors, physical, chemical, as we're talking about those three big stressors, that can turn on those genes. So that's one leg. Now, here's the exciting news, that there's a gap in the scientific world and the treatment world, even on the alternative side of things, is we know how to turn those genes off. So Mm -hmm. that's part of what I teach is how to downregulate that gene expression. And most Mm -hmm. doctors aren't doing it today. Then the the second leg of the stool. So that's one leg. So we have to turn on certain genes. The second leg are the stressors that turn on the gene. We have to remove them. And we kind of had this conversation in the beginning that most doctors aren't going upstream high enough. They're just giving vitamins and minerals and, you know, even just dietary changes. You have to go upstream, remove the stressors, then – we're able to turn off that gene. So that leg has to be there. And then the final leg is the microbiome. And you had that discussion with Jack, uh, Dr. Bush, because the microbiome is our bacteria that makes us up. It makes us human, actually, and we're more bacteria than cells. But the point is, is that, that, that those bacteria, that microbiome has to be restored again in order to turn off those bad genes and to turn on the good ones. So and we have to restore the bacteria to even remove the stressor. So you see that you know we see this three-legged stool happening of why people get sick, but there lies the answer. So you know if we approach those three things, so when I teach doctors, you know our multi-therapeutic approach really addresses that three-legged stool, and we have answers you know in each of those legs, and and that's how the unexplainable is getting well. Honestly, is that you know it, it, we're addressing the cause of the three-legged stool.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the true cellular detox part of the three-legged stool. You share some five strategies that you talk about. Tell us a little bit about what exactly is a true cellular detox and what are these five strategies?
0: Yeah. So, you know, when, when you look at, uh, I, I developed a roadmap and it's the, my five R's of uh, cellular healing and cellular detox and it, it really is saying, look, real detox, you have to fix the cell because that's ultimately where detox happens. That's where the DNA are affected when we look at the stool. That's where, you know, detox is broken. And if not restored, I don't care how many colon cleanses, liver cleanses, saunas, you do. You will not get well. So real detox, you must go to the cell. And the five R's it has become the roadmap to doing so. So just very quickly without digging into the science, I don't want to bore your listeners, but the, the first one's the obvious. You have to get upstream. You have to remove the source in your life, whether if, if you're living in a moldy home, you have to fix it. If you are if you have silver fillings that contain 50% mercury, uh, by the way, that's how I got sick. Um, then what happens is is that continues to put mercury into your brain. So you have to remove the sources, and we help people do that. But... The second one is regenerating the cell membrane. Honestly, it's probably the most important uh, just because the membranes are vital, and that's where the toxins are affecting and therefore affecting the cell energy, which, by the way, is our number three, restoring cell energy. Uh, But if you don't fix the membranes, you'll never turn off the bad genes. So regenerating the cell membranes is key, and fats is a very critical part of that. Dietary changes, certain supplements that we've developed, So that's key. Restoring cellular energy is R3. You can't fix anything. You can't detox without enough cellular energy. So many strategies there that we've learned over the years. R4 is, I think, the obvious. It's reducing the inflammation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, again, dietary strategies, feast, famines, fasting is part of that. And then the last one is um, reestablishing methylation. Methylation is how your body gets rid of toxic hormones. How your body gets rid of toxins, how your body changes genes for better, for worse. So it's important that if we don't re-establish the methylation, we'll never detox, we'll never fix the cell. So those five R's became a roadmap to like, here's what we know is going on, and these are the big things mm-hmm. that's happening in a cell. If we fix this, then we know that we can get the body doing what it does, and that's naturally detoxing. So there you go. And then we use some things in that, some vehicles to make sure the toxins are moving from the cell out of the body, um, one of which is something that you and I were talking about before we got on uh, the call, is cytodetox. And uh, that is a, a particle from soil, volcanic soil called clinoptilite, and it goes into the membranes. And has the ability to do that, even the mitochondrial membrane, and mm-hmm. grab onto these toxins. And make sure that they're not, doesn't let go and makes it all the way out of the body. So that process is true cellular detox.
1: Fascinating. So it sounds like it's a pretty sophisticated, long term process. How long does it take someone to go through these different stages <laughs> and get to the other side? Yeah, I mean,
0: in the process of true cellular detox, there is a prep phase where we prepare the cell and the downstream pathways like the gut the liver, the kidneys to prepare for you know the detox that's coming. That can be a month. Uh, that can be three, depending on the person. Then we move into what we call a body phase. And a body phase is really just to set up concentration gradient so we can go into the deeper tissues like the brain. That can last a month to three. And then we get to the brain phase. The brain phase is where the magic happens. The brain phase is how I got my life back. And you know, when I looked at why my adrenals and thyroid weren't functioning, I realized that it was more from the pituitary, which sits in the middle of your brain and controls your thyroid and your adrenals. I tried to address my adrenals. I tried to address my thyroid. And some things would get better, but most things would get worse. And then that's when I realized it was a pituitary issue, only to realize that that's where a lot of the toxins on studies accumulate. And I I had said that, you know, the mom, your fillings in your mouth is proportional to how much mercury we find in the baby's brain. Well, there's a study that was done on adults. And the number of silver fillings in our mouth, Mm -hmm. they contain 50% mercury. And we find most of that mercury vaporizes into the brain, but into the hypothalamus pituitary. And that's what controls all of our hormones. So a lot of the hormone dysfunction is because of what's going on in that center brain. So the point is, is that The brain phase, we have to get to that. Otherwise, you'll never fix your hormones. Otherwise, you'll never fix your fatigue and your sleep issues, your anxiety. So the brain phase I did for several years. I did it consistently for two years, even more randomly because detox is cycled. You're on, you're off, you're on. I did that for about four years.
1: What's involved? and are you still on the, on this protocol or you're now just, uh, leading a regular life and you just detox off and on?
0: I just, I live a regular life now and I just detox off and on. Just, uh, obviously, even though I eat all organic and I do this amazing diet, we're still getting exposure today. And so I still do periodic cycles, but uh, that's it. You know, maintenance.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounds again quite complex in terms of, each of the stages, and it clearly sounds like it's several years long. So I can just imagine a lot of my listeners going, gosh, and who knows if I'm actually going to get better at the other end. So, because, you know, we as humans, are, especially these days, we're all about the instant gratification. So share with our listeners, can they quickly experience relief from symptoms, or is it really a process you're going to commit to, for maybe a year, maybe more, but that there is hope and joy and perfect health at the other end of it?
0: No, there is. I mean, if you get upstream, there is hope and joy and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I look, I've watched people with stage four cancer. I've watched people who had major autoimmune, where they didn't, it was not worth living anymore, come completely back. Really?
1: In how much time? What's the uh, average you see? And I
0: think there lies some of the bad news, um, but it's realistic. It's years, not months, to once you get to that level of sickness and autoimmune. It is. And I I think that, you know, again, I'm a little critical of a lot of um, doctors in the sense that they make it seem like, oh, just do this detox or do this thing, and then, you know, three months you're going to have your life back. Look. Uh, oh, you forget start,
1: three months. They make claims you can get your life back in three days. God, I mean, I see stuff just, out there that boggles run. my mind.
0: Yeah, just run because it's just... Yeah, it's you know, not mean, true. We both know, right? It, yeah. when you speak to anyone that really has truly recovered. I mean, you get these people who say, oh, I did this and I am I feel better. You know, And then a month, two months later, you know, they're, they're right back where they were. But truly recover, a lasting, true uh, recovery. It is years, not months, because it took you years to get sick. It's ridiculous. Something that bioaccumulates, stockpiles of these toxins in our brain from utero through the vaccines, through all these exposures, that you're going to pull that out in a few months. I mean, it's absurd, and no scientist believes that. They understand. You know, it's like peeling back an onion and then turning off the bad genes. It's years not months. Look, one of the things where, like, you know, when I work with someone and I don't work with that many people anymore, I'm training doctors, but I still do because I love it. And I can't help it because I just absolutely know we have an answer that nobody has. But I always tell them my goal is to teach you the process. And I coach them for 10 to 12 months to teach them the process of cellular healing and cellular detox, because if they don't learn it, they won't do it long enough to matter. So it's, it's like it's tuition. Don't You don't need more treatments. Everyone that eventually comes to me, they've already been treated every way possible, up, down, over. They've done it all. They don't need more treatments. You need to empower yourself with the knowledge to do something that actually lasts long enough to actually matter You know, and give a life change. So I'm passionate about that, as you can see, because I, I know the crap that's out there, and it's very, very irritating because I was fooled by it, too, when I was in the process of getting my life back.
1: Yeah, yeah no I I tried all of those the the 3 yeah. days and the 5 days and the right. 1 weeks and um all told it took me 15 months and I'm told that I'm incredibly lucky cuz the average is 3 years for the gut to heal What's meat fat Sally and why do you want us to meet fat Sally
0: <laughs> You know that was a that was just a little acronym that I I did when I uh was my I have several diets right I mean my cellular healing diet is really about getting rid of things that are very inflammatory. And, uh, you know, change your meats was a huge thing because most meat today is eating grains, which is sprayed with glyphosate, which we talked about, um, that changes the fats in the meat and makes it something very poisonous. You know, we have to change all of our fats. So we meet fat salad. We, we, We have to change our fats. So in other words, most even in health food stores, Things are really the foods are loaded with vegetable oils. Mm-hmm. All these vegetable oils they drive cellular inflammation, and it's absolutely horrific. And you know it's it's the hidden problem that even healthy people aren't seeing. You know, so their fats are very very important to change. And then controlling glucose and sugar is important. And uh, you know we have to get rid of those things in our diet because if you want to age faster than anyone you know. You, know, just raise your glucose and insulin, so that was just an acronym, just kind of what dietary changes we all need to make, and then you know i mean i I think it it goes beyond that, if we even move people in and out of ketosis. I don't know if your listeners know what that is
1: absolutely. We just did an interview with Dr. Dom on the keto diet, so yeah, hopefully my listeners have
0: heard I know that Tom very well yep yeah, yeah. Dominic uh is one of the scientists um researching. For the defense department, you know, and really learned, we've learned a lot about ketones um, mm-hmm. at the turn of the 19th century. I, you know, we use ketosis as something to fix the brain. And then with the advent of certain medications, we moved away from it. But now we're getting back to it and realizing that dropping someone's carbohydrate intake low enough to where their body forces their cells to use fat as an energy source is a way to turn off bad genes. It's a way to downregulate inflammation. It's a way to fix the cells. So we use ketosis as a part of what we do.
1: Oh, fascinating. Listening to you, I have to ask, tell our listeners what your typical diet looks like.
0: Yeah, I wrote an article. um, It's on my website. It's called Diet Variation, and I've done some podcasts about it. I am not one that says this is the diet, paleo vegan vegetarian ketosis my take is we should actually vary our diet and I believe every culture on the planet was forced to vary their diet they'd be in times of ketosis they'd be in times like the Hunza people that they thought they were vegetarians in the summer but it winter came they ate so much fat was the major uh, part of their meal and so those diet changes is what I do I replicate that I uh, in the winter probably, you know, late winter, I'm in ketosis as spring comes, I move out and eat higher healthy carbohydrates, um, you know, more like vegetable, I would, vegetables, um, healthy, still eat grass fed meats, but not probably as much as I did through the winter, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so I moved to a, you know, higher healthy carbohydrate diet, probably moderate, uh, would probably be a better word for it, uh, you yeah. know, and then Come late summer, I move kind of back into ketosis just to change it up for a couple months. And then I move out again and then back in in the winter. So I, I purposely vary my diet. And then, you know, I fast. I intermittent fast. So How I
1: many hours do you do that? Because I've heard yeah. different numbers.
0: Yeah, I think it's different for everybody. And we have ways of figuring that out. And I think as you get more fat adapted, uh, you can go longer times. But... I probably do 18 to 20 hours uh, most days. Wow. I have days where I just eat one meal. Um, I, I do that probably two or three days a week. And then I have one or two days where I uh, I call them feast days, where in my diet variation, you'll read about my concept of feast famine cycle. So um, I purposely eat a lot more on those days, and I purposely even eat a higher healthy carbs on those days. And then I have my feast uh, my famine days where I only eat one meal. So,
1: and are you adapted completely to eating one meal in the sense that you don't starve or do you have certain techniques to help you get through eating just a single meal?
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't even plan those days anymore. I get busy. Okay. And and I just end up going, oh, well, you know, I'll just eat dinner. Um, Oh, it's dinner.
1: And that was my next question. Which one meal do you eat, lunch or dinner?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think it, I always have my clients with the, they'll pick uh, whatever works for their schedule better, honestly, um, okay. because you know, it could be lunch. It could be three o'clock meal. It could be dinner most often because of the way it works in this house. Um, it's typically a dinner. So Okay. that um, would
1: make sense with the family. One yeah, meal
0: with the family. Meal. yeah. And I, I think, I think it works either, either way. I mean, if you want to just eat one meal and eat breakfast, you could do that. I, I prefer to extend my fast through the night you know, in the, the morning where most of us aren't as hungry um, and then keep extending it until maybe my first meal is two or three o'clock if I eat a first meal. And typically it's a higher fat, higher protein meal. And then I eat um, typically a smaller dinner unless it's a weekend where my wife and I go out uh, and then it would be the opposite of that A bigger dinner, <laughs> smaller. Right.
1: So the days that you eat a single meal, how many calories is that meal?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm probably getting around, I don't know, cause I don't pay attention to calories, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, when I say even a single meal, oftentimes I'll start eating at five o'clock and end at seven o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. where we kind of just eat, uh, you know, when I was in Africa, I saw that emulated. I, they ate one meal a day. They were a hunting gathering tribe and
1: mm-hmm.
0: we were able to stay with these people and the men were gone at 4.30 in the morning. They went off hunting. They ate nothing all day. They wouldn't get back to 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And that's when the meal started, and it went for three hours typically. And it was just a, you know, the tribe came together, and it was a feast. And that's, that's what they did.
1: Love it. Love yeah, it. So, yeah.
0: So, you know, I kind of emulate that. You know, we kind of eat. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I probably get at least 1,500 calories or more in one okay. that, that span. But because you're
1: very fit and very young-looking. Yeah. So, you know, I'm also trying to figure out what's what's driving that. And I think you're sharing that with us now, which is your intermittent fasting and your single meals.
0: That woman that just recently died from Italy, she was 117. Uh, She ate one meal a day for years and years. So look at studies on living longer healthy. We know that eating less is key. Now, here's where people go wrong. They think that eating less means five meals a day, picking away and eating less, or they think that I'm gonna eat half of my dinner, right? No culture on the planet does that, except here in the United States. <laughs> in right. some, some parts in Europe. But you know, it doesn't work. The metabolism gets lower and slower. But yeah. what does work is how the real way to eat less is by eating less often. Like the African yes. tribe, like the Hunza people, like the Okinawans. So don't eat less. Eat less often. And that really emulates how our ancestors ate less. So at the end of the day, do I eat less calories? Yeah, but I'm never pushing food away. Matter of fact, the magic is you know, eating till full to remind mm-hmm. our body it's not starving. So therefore your metabolism doesn't go lower. So that's the key. You know, eat till mm-hmm. full, remind your body it's not starving you know, never push food away. If you're going to eat, darn it, eat and feast yes. it, just like yeah. the Africans did, right? Feast at it. So and enjoy.
1: Like. Yeah. Enjoy eat full it. fat.
0: Absolutely. Enjoy it, right? Have a little wine if you want with the meal, but enjoy the food, eat it in its abundance, but eating less often is the magic.
1: That makes a lot of sense. All right. The next one is for you, my friend, Kay. SIBO. Let's talk SIBO. Let's talk something very specific. Uh, it's pretty dominant on your site as well. So I know you've done some work with it. My core diagnosed illness ended up being SIBO, although SIBO was was just one of, again, contributing factors to all my symptoms and challenges. SIBO is not supposed to be an easy to heal or easy to treat issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently it comes back. I'm living proof it doesn't. I've been free of it for a while, you know, from tests. We did tests to prove I was completely cured and I've not had any issues since. And it's been, gosh, almost a year. So my question to you is, for those of our listeners that either wonder if they have SIBO or have been diagnosed with SIBO, what are your top recommendations to get rid of it?
0: Yeah, we can talk about all that. I'm sure your viewers and listeners uh, know it's small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which means you have too many of the wrong bacteria in your small intestines. Most of your bacteria should be in your large intestine where it ferments your foods. It works great, but when they get in your small intestine, they cause bloating after meals, digestive assimilation issues. I had it too when I was sick, and I think one of the mistakes with SIBO is that we're just going to uh, kill it and not address why you have it, right? So a combination, when I permanently, just like you, was able to get rid of my SIBO, uh, it was because I got rid of the mercury upstream in my brain and, you know, wasn't dropping into my gut because your body's trying to get rid of these toxins, creating dysbiosis, which means Now you have more of the bad guys, not enough of the good guys, because we're killing all the toxins, we're killing off the good guys, so the bad guys are taking over, hence you have SIBO. But let's talk about some of the things I learned in SIBO. Uh, Number one, testing. You can do a breath test, which is the the best test, but even then, you have to test for both hydrogen and methane um, gases. Yeah, because... You know, there's both, and oftentimes you're just measuring one, and you know, then you say, oh, I'm okay, but meanwhile you have a dominance of a methane instead of a hydrogen, and then therein lies the treatment problem, because um zyfaxin is a an antibiotic that works really well for certain people with SIBO, and then other people go, it made me worse, or I got better, then I got worse. Well, it only really addresses one. Of these bacteria. So there's bacteria that produce hydrogen gas, there's bacteria that produce methane gases, and that's why we have to measure both, but therefore you have to oftentimes treat both. So if you're just targeting like xyfaxin, one of those bacteria, like the, the methane producers or the hydrogen producers, then you're not getting the other guys. And if you kill off these guys, then these guys can take over. And that's how people take uh, the xyfaxin and feel worse because now they have an explosion. Um, of the other ones. So the bottom line is you have to deal with both bacterias and you have to go upstream and address the cause which has allowed them to take root and growth in your gut. So there's a couple tips right there.
1: Have you been able to get rid of it in your patients and what would be some of the dietary restrictions that you recommend?
0: Yeah, so there's a great product out there. Um, uh, I'm you know, I never want to just promote products, you know, but uh, I don't get anything from it. But it's called H. Rental. Um,
1: I've taken it, by the way. But can yeah, you
0: and it addresses both. And Dr. Ken Brown developed it. He was a specialist, actually, very researching Zyfaxxan. And they couldn't figure out why it was working with some, not others. And, and it was he stumbled upon uh, some of the ingredients that are in that product. So that's a product that works good. And sometimes we'll start with that. Uh, just without even changing the diet. I, I mean, that's not true. I mean, we'll change the diet, meaning let's get them on a healthy, basic diet. And then if they're still not recovering, then we put them on more of what we call SIBO diet, where we're it's mostly just meats and fats, and we're eliminating fibers and sugars because bacteria will feed from healthy fibers, uh, and it will create the bloat. So we have to get rid of fiber in the diet for a period of time to give these things that we're giving the person uh, to kill the bacteria a chance. So sometimes we then go with, I like to use a trend with other killers, whether it's grapefruit seed extract, oregano extract, um, you know, other things that have a potential to kill bacteria. And then I like to rotate it because bacteria are very slick. So we kind of keep changing it um, as we're taking away some of these fibers and sugars. That what about
1: it. motility? Because I know motility is a big issue. What do you uh, recommend in terms of motility?
0: Yeah, so, you know, that's a great point. So oftentimes there's some things we give the brain. Uh, remember, a toxic brain, as I already mentioned, uh, is one of the reasons why people don't have good motility. So uh, we give things that actually help the brain, um, like a product called Neurosyn. I mean, you know, there's, there's certain things, that, nutrients that we can give the brain to actually help it work better. Chiropractic upper cervical adjustments have been known to be transformative. You it affects the vagus nerve, which affects motility. Balancing, rebalancing the parasympathetic and sympathetic nerve system, you know, is critical. And we use a lot of these feast-famine cycles, even to do that, the diet variation. And so, you know, and again, it, it all has to work together in a multi-therapeutic approach. And that's what I do.
1: What's the biggest mistake that patients who are suffering from SIBO you see making that prevents them from completely getting better?
0: You know, I, I think that not getting upstream and addressing the, the reason why they have it, right? Toxins affect the brain, toxins affect the microbiome, all of it affects SIBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that's number one. Number two is maybe they're only addressing, like I said, they're, you know, trying something like Zyfax and it's only addressing one of the bacterias. Um, I think that controlling some of the leaky gut is also important, Um you know, I know you interviewed Zach Bush, a product restores what we use uh, for that. So, I mean, I think those are some of the bigger mistakes.
1: Okay. All right. The next topic we're going to talk about, which I know my listeners are very interested in, that you and I know has a connection to what we're talking about is menopause. So if you look at the number of women, I think it's over 40 million women are in menopause at any given point in time, that number is expected to double because of the aging of our population. And if you look at the number of women suffering from menopause symptoms, and oh, by the way, these symptoms are very unique to us because there's cultures that didn't even know when menopause hit. The women in those cultures just transitioned very naturally with no dramatic changes in their lives. Versus here in the U.S. where 75% of women in menopause will suffer from hot flashes, for an example. And if you look at all the other symptoms, the moodiness, the fatigue, the insomnia, and then, of course, the more uh, scientific issues or disease-related issues like diabetes, onset of diabetes, onset of rheumatoid arthritis, it's a pretty severe problem for a very large number of women and uh, before we started the podcast, I asked you, hey, do you do you feel that there might be a connection between toxicity and menopause symptoms? And I loved your answer. So please share share with our listeners, what do you believe, if they're suffering from menopausal symptoms, what is it that they can do to, release, to
0: relieve themselves from these symptoms? Well, again, you know, we've talked a lot about going upstream is the key, right? I mean, women today, I think taking uh you know, bioidentical hormones is in vogue. Um, but we realized that mm-hmm. it helps a limited and, you know, really what happens is you're taking hormones, but the cell isn't hearing the hormones. So th- that's why it's so limited. And that's why it works in the beginning, then doesn't work. And that's why it can even help blood work look better, but yet you don't still feel better. And So, you know, we can shout at our kids, but ultimately the louder we shout, the less they hear us. And that's taking hormones. We can give hormones, but. Oftentimes, the more we take, the less our cells hear them. But So the answer oftentimes is why are we in such a state of hormone dysregulation as a country? And it really is another toxic issue. I mentioned earlier that the pituitary hypothalamus that sits in your brain is what really runs our whole endocrine system. Your adrenals, which plays into your estrogen, your testosterone, your DHEA. You know, we can go down the list. Your thyroid function, which plays into everything as well. So oftentimes it can be the brain toxicity that is driving the hormone problem. But here's the other answer, too, is that the toxins also affect the cell membranes, which is where the receptors are to the hormones. And when you drive inflammation of the cell via toxins, imagine you're blunting the receptors. Now, it doesn't matter how much hormones you take they can't get their message in the cell so you don't feel better but you're, here's the thing it makes your blood work oftentimes look better but yet you're not getting the message in the cell it's the example of shouting in our kids so toxins are the key now i, I want to give a solid example you, what happens during pregnancy oftentimes what happens during menopause your body releases toxins at certain times of our life more than normal if we look at lead as an example of this during pregnancy it's normal for women to lose bone but you have to understand that lead is stored in the bones in masses so we're exposed yeah. to lead. so we're exposed to lead from our moms in utero because again during pregnancy mom loses bone out comes the lead into the baby and then moms now you have a child and the same thing happens well guess what menopause we know that we lose bone during menopause. It's it's normal. I mean, it's but your body, re, re, you know, basically redoes it, and you know, there's a process of bone loss and bone gain. But needless to say, during menopause, like pregnancy, your body loses bone and out comes more lead, and then we have more hormone issues that can be driven by this lead issue. Let me use my wife as a great example of this whole thing. My wife had certain hormone dysfunction and perimenopause. She had symptoms that weren't going away. We did a test and saw that her methylation, that's remember R number five, that methylation gets rid of toxic hormones. Her methylation was depleted so much because of her lead that she got from her mother. <laughs> so it depleted methylation because methylation is needed to get rid of toxins and it's also needed to get rid of toxic hormones. Therefore, She'd build up toxic hormones. Now her mother ended up dying of uterine cancer. She had breast cancer. She was considered a survivor. I told her, Joyce, if you don't get to the cause, ten years from now you're ending up with another cancer. She didn't believe me, needless to say, she ended up with uterine cancer, and it was a 12-year mark, she ended up dying. Oh, she my. never got to her lead issues, therefore she never truly balanced her hormones. Therefore, that was you know a typical story that we hear. My wife was going to end up the same way. Her methylation was disrupted. Her hormones were disrupted. She had her mother's lead that was disrupting it. So this time we did it different. We addressed my wife's lead. That fixed her methylation and ultimately balanced her hormones. So my wife gave her lead to my children. So my children ended up with massive lead as we measured them because they got it from my wife and I had to fix my children. By the way, it's four generations Four generations, we inherit physical lead from our parents. And by the way, it's same with mercury. And here's the other four generation. Epigenetically, we know that the toxins that we get from our parents, we turn on genes for four generations. So this toxicity issue is a four-generation issue that we're getting inherited physically and epigenetic changes that are occurring for four generations. So this is a big problem. So my point is this. You're not going to balance your hormones. Until you get upstream to what we know is happening to, uh, you know in us generationally even that 's turning on these bad genes that are affecting our hormones, affecting our brains that are affecting our hormones, affecting our cells, receptors to the hormones, all driven by toxins
1: so you know I have to ask how does someone get rid of lead?
0: You have to do the true cyto detox process, so I mentioned cyto detox right and uh, that's a, a binder that can grab on the lead and safely move it out of the cell. After we upregulate the cell function as through the five R's, then we use a real binder like that to grab on and move it all the way out. Then we actually use a binder in the gut so you don't reabsorb uh, any of the toxins that once it's dumped in the gut. So we use a binder from the cell to the gut and then one in the gut so you don't auto intoxicate and that. That particular product is called Bind. You know, it's a catcher's mitt that doesn't leave the gut. It just sits in there and grabs on, so you don't reabsorb toxins. Uh, You know, I I actually have the toxicity score because I know people are like, "Well, how do you know if you have mold?" um, They can go to ToxicityScore.com and and get that free toxicity score. Um, If they would mention that, if you want to see, you know, what neurotoxins, so you can just put that in the show notes or something. But ToxicityScore.com. Anyways, yeah, so. The Cytodetox is a a binder that we use and then another product called Bind in the Gut. Using true binders is one of the key things to what Real Detox is. You have to use real binders. A lot of people are using things like Cilantro, Corella. They're not able to bind and hold on to things like heavy metals and biotoxins from mold. Uh, You have to use a real binder able to do that. It's very, very important that people understand that.
1: And what's the price? So if if someone said, "Great, I want to get rid of lead." And they came to your site, do they just buy these products and how much are these products yeah, and how I, long does it the take? The
0: Cytodetox is um, <clears throat> that you have to get through a practitioner. So you'd actually have to call the number on my website.
1: Okay, got it. Got it. But just if overall you, for I those think, who
0: are one go to the toxicityscore.com, it kind of, you know, gives some pointers on that. Maybe, I don't know, or it's just a quiz, but it's a place to start.
1: Okay. Now that sounds great. This has been so insightful for for me, for our listeners. As we start to wrap up, I have to ask you about the toxic top 10. We've talked a lot about toxins on this show. We've We've clearly established that a lot of these autoimmune illnesses and diseases are triggered because of toxins that might be in your body, even potentially since the, you've been in the womb. And so, of course, the key is how do we start to detox ourselves? But also, as you mentioned, it's very important to make sure we're not continuously adding new toxins, because what's the point of detoxing if you're going to, in the in the hour right after that, add more, fi- more fuel in that fire? So... Share with our listeners, what are the toxic top 10? Yeah, that's a
0: great question because, you know, my R number one of my five R's of how we heal and detox a cell is remove the sources. <laughs> so, you know, knowing these okay. are is really good, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just when you go through it and I don't have it even in front of me, right? But you even things, the surprising ones are how much cleaners that we're exposed to just we use every day mm-hmm. in our kitchens. And we spray them on our counters and they contain neurotoxins and things that end up in our food because, you know, our food hits the counters and then it ends up directly in us. Uh, you know, it, it's remarkable. Even your dishwasher, you can't believe how toxic it is because we're using these, these soaps in the dishwasher that literally are loaded with toxins. You would not, and right. not just toxins, very poisonous toxins. It ends up coating our dishes, and then you're adding the, the chlorine from the, the city water, if that's the case, or fluoride, if you have fluoride in your city water. It, it literally becomes the most toxic thing in your kitchen. Uh, you know, so it, it, this thing gives off when you open the dishwasher that plume of vapor that comes out fills your home with that toxic uh, combination, and then it's coating your dishes that you're eating and drinking out of. So imagine. Yeah, I mean, so there's the, in wow. the toxic... So what do you
1: use? I mean, I'll give you the top five that you mentioned. You, I, I love how you break it yeah, into I, I, under I, the roof and under the I, nose. Yeah. yeah, and under the roof, it's the cleaners, your water, mold, pesticides, and your carpets, furniture, appliances, etc. What cleaner do you use?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, believe it or not, just straight-up old vinegar and some uh, hydrogen peroxide works tremendous. Now you can go to any okay. store and buy... um the you know different products that uh, you know there's so many of them right the eco um, is one mm-hmm. uh, there's um, green what's it called we used to use it myers there's myers which is another company nice. but you know I mean honestly I, I okay. see a combination of those in our house right
1: so those are yeah. fine you're saying any any of those even dishwashing liquids no, or no soaps which says it's green eco,
0: smart they're they're all doing good ones and by the way another big one is what we're washing our clothes in, and for goodness sakes, don't use yeah. fabric softener. There's on average six neurotoxins in that stuff. And, you know, you, you don't smell good. It's it's actually, you know, that smell that I get nauseated from. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I like, well, what do you do with your static clothes? Okay. There's things called dryer balls that are wool balls. I mean, it's a simple <laughs> solution. But for goodness sakes, stop using fabric softener and or any soaps that have softeners in them. Those have endocrine disruptors in them. So they coat, they end up in your clothes. That's why they work and make it soft. But you end up absorbing it in your skin and it ends up disrupting your hormones. So stop using fabric softeners and stop disrupting your hormones. You know, the stuff's poison. So, yeah.
1: You know, it's so sad that we've been convinced by very well done advertisements. How we need we absolutely must have all of these things you know we must have these air refresheners and we absolutely must have these softeners and uh, uh, streak cleaners and all of these these things that frankly you're right I mean we I personally we got rid of all of this when I had my first issue yeah. You really don't need any of these. By the way, there's really not a lot of static in, in dryer clothes. I, I, I can tell you. There's know what? Really I don't use
0: dryer, but we live in you know Utah. You don't dry. Utah. I don't have static, so I don't know. I, I yeah. think some of the, the no unnatural static. detergents actually are creating the problem. So you know, So, so, yeah, so actually so Creating true. a problem and then solving it with another problem. You know, it's like, so I, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's so true.
1: But I got it. I got to ask you water, and then we'll go to the other five. Water. It is one of the most confusing, controversial topics. I myself am still confused, regardless of how many amazing, brilliant people I've interviewed on water. What do we do about water? Is Arrowhead bottled water good enough? I mean, clearly the tap water isn't. And if it's not, what do you do with your tap water? To to I mean, I I
0: think that daily basis, don't drink out of plastic, right? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, if you're traveling, OK. Right. But on a daily basis, get a good filter. Look, the cheapest, most effective is an RO unit. You know, don't worry about stripping minerals out of your water. You're not supposed to get minerals from water anyway. You get it from ionized minerals in plants that take hard minerals in the ground, and rock minerals, so to speak, and make them absorbable minerals. So that's where you're meant to get your minerals from. You know, I mean, I know that there's different units that make water, you know, more structured and, and I'm not against any of it, but I don't want to overcomplicate it for your listeners. You can go to Costco and pick up a $300 RO unit and filter out all the crap, the mineral, you know, the, the, uh, the medications that are in water. You're going to filter out.
1: Oh. I hear there's Viagra in the oh, yeah. water now. Oh, I heard that so recently. So RO
0: units are able to get rid of that. And uh, so carbon alone is not going to get rid of that. So, yeah, we want to get rid of all that stuff, and RO is the best and the cheapest. And, again, you might argue that this is so much better and this and that. But, again, your listener, if we we don't make it simple, they're not going to do it. Get an RO unit.
1: That's exactly it. Okay. But what about Arrowhead versus doing that? Because Arrowhead is supposedly spring water, Mm -hmm. or any spring water. I'm using Arrowhead just as a catch-all name. What about spring water that's bottled at the source? Versus tap water
0: through an. I, I can't make the claim that I've tested the different spring waters. Um, I typically, if I'm going to drink bottled water, I'll typically grab a RO sourced you know water because at least I know they're running it through an RO system because I haven't tested Arrowhead source. It may be fine. It may be great spring water. I just don't know. So um I, Then I will typically choose something that's you know double reverse osmosis filtered and also.
1: Okay. And then the final five that you talk about are food amalgams, vaccines, plastics, and toxic beauty. And you know, I have to ask you about vaccines.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I can't tell anyone not to vaccinate, but I'll tell everybody to educate themselves on this controversial subject. There was a documented docuseries that I was a part of called Vaccines Revealed. And uh if you want to know more, Google it, find it, get vaccines revealed and, you know, educate yourselves and, and hear the truth. Make your own decision. But I can say this, you know, in my years of researching this topic, uh, you know, it's it's one of the most misunderstood. I think we have been uh, a human experience, the largest human experiment ever. You know, I, I'm not a fan. There's two problems. Number one, the load of toxins we're giving a child, uh, of of mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, I mean, it goes on and on, retroviruses that at certain times will, in fact, cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, Obviously, some kids are more predisposed to injury than others based on how many toxins they inherited in utero, the microbiome that they inherited from their mother, their vitamin D levels. I mean, you can go on, but whatever it is, we are vaccinating over vaccinated kids. The second problem is that vaccines, uh, they stimulate the wrong immune system and not to get off on a whole vaccine show here, but you have an immune system that is a Th one reaction, which is a lifetime immunity that you get when you get chicken bomb, the moms, the measles lifetime immunity, or you have uh, an emergency reaction, which is another type of uh, immune reaction, which we're driving up antibodies. That's why you need boosters. You, you know, measure how, lo- how much the antibodies are up and how long they're up for, and then we get boosters every three years, five years. Why? Because it didn't stimulate the lifelong immunity. Well, there's a problem with that because you're teaching. This immune system, this type 2 reaction, teaches the body to basically respond in an emergency. So we know it's linked to more autoimmune. Look, you don't have to, you know, understand that. It should be just enough to say, please educate yourself on this controversial topic. What about food? Well, I think one of the problems is um, a big problem is the overconsumption of grains, uh, hybridized grains, genetically modified grains and what we're spraying it with, with the glyphosate that we mentioned earlier. Uh, I think the processed foods that we're eating as a country is absolutely processed with chemicals. There's zero. It's not a living food. It's a food that's not live. It doesn't offer the body nutrients. It robs more nutrients from your stores. Uh, There it is. I mean, it's as simple as that. And yet, even people today that think they're eating healthy really aren't. They're exposing themselves to still dangerous levels of this glyphosate that's opening up their gut barrier, creating autoimmune, driving dysbiosis. Oh, uh, you know, it's it's a
1: Are you completely organic at this point? I am.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: So you don't necessarily follow the clean 15 rule, you try to be completely organic no matter I what. I am.
0: I mean, do, do I get exposed? I mean, I know restaurants to go to. I am very good at asking questions. You know, do I still get exposed periodically? Course. Of course, but ninety, yeah. you know, eight percent of what I'm eating is 100 percent organic.
1: What do people do about the silver fillings in their teeth?
0: Paul, oh, that's a whole other show because they,
1: I they know it st- is. But your one line answer to that: yeah.
0: we have a process to make sure it's done right. You know, we prep them before the removal. Uh, you go to a dentist that knows how to remove them safely. But um, yes,
1: so you get them removed. Yeah. Do you get them? removed and refilled with something else or are you recommending you get the teeth removed what what is your recommendation? no i mean
0: you should get a, a something uh r- safer you can even test if you're already very sensitive do a test to make sure you're compatible with whatever they put in whether it's composite or whether it's um and i think the best is porcelain now but uh be tested to see what's compatible for you would be the recommendation and a biological dentist you can go to i a org and find a biological mm-hmm. dentist. Um, that's a starting place. But once those silver fillings are out, you have to get the mercury out of your brain. And that's a very, very important uh, point.
1: Lastly, plastics. They're, they're everywhere. What can someone do to prevent plastics from taking over our lives? Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, ladies, you know, be cautious because the chemical BPA and others that are in, Plastic or in your makeup in your uh, personal okay. care products. So, believe it or not, first recommendation is change your personal care products. Don't drink water out of plastic unless you're traveling, you know, so minimize it, so to speak. Uh, don't put hot food in plastic. Don't put acid food like spaghetti sauce, uh, you know, tomatoes, you know, those things in plastic and store them in the refrigerator. Don't let plastic wrap touch your food. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there's just some quick tips.
1: Oh, interesting. So even something like a plastic wrap, you're saying it shouldn't touch the food. Yeah, don't let
0: it touch the food, and especially hot food, because it'll it'll leach mm-hmm. out those uh, chemicals that are in plastic that are hormone disrupting.
1: Got it. What about aluminum, by the way? Same
0: thing. Don't let it touch the food.
1: And it's interesting, right? Because we actually wrap our food in aluminum for our kids often yeah. for their you know, lunch If it's boxes. like,
0: you know, if it's crackers, something dry, you know, not hot, not acidic, uh, yeah, it's not going to do much at all, right? But if you're cooking with it, heating it, now you've got a problem.
1: Got it. Dr. Pompa, this has been great. Such incredible information, such important information on how we can truly get rid of toxins and truly start to heal, get back to our original place of, of health and joy. As we wrap up, any last piece of advice for someone listening, super excited and inspired by you to get going on their journey to detoxing? What are your final words of wisdom? Yeah, you
0: know, one step at a time. I, I always fear that we just gave them so much information that somebody does nothing, right? Because if we're confused, typically we do nothing. So, you know, yes. educate yourself. You know, listen to the show twice. Pick out something that resonated with you and, you know, just educate yourself. You know, it's like and then through education becomes a greater belief, a greater value. And therefore, then now all of a sudden, you know, you'll do anything to make those next steps. One step at a time. Start with education. Listen to this show twice You know, maybe you take a few of the tests or the quiz that we mentioned. Start there. Simple as that. If you just start the journey, you don't have to do it all. Please don't think that you have to do it all to, you know, to make this happen. Start somewhere. The journey will take you to the next step to the next step. So there it is. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.